a good in there with Shabbos, Parshas Vayeshev. So, the Tiferes Shlomo, the Radamska Rebbe, says on this Pesach, Vayeshev Yaakov Be'eretz Megure Aviv Be'eretz Canaan. And Yaakov dwelt in the land of uh, in the land, in the land of his fathers in Canaan. The Torah is not to be considered literature, nor is it a family digest of historical events. It's our own divine gift of the roadmap to know what's important to us. What are the necessary lessons for us to learn and how there is a connection to past and present events? The ten generations from Noach to Abraham pass in a few verses. And yet the life of Yaakov and the Shifteka, the twelve tribes, are given over in great detail, specific historic, specific events that were pivotal. One reason is that our Avos lived a life with direct and constant contact with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We need to become attuned to such moments in our own lives and be sensitive to the messages just as Masa Avos Simon Levonim in other events, that this is lessons to be learned as they will replicate in our lives. And the Torah draws out these messages so that we focus on them. When the Torah writes here that Yaakov dwelled Megure Oviv, it's saying that he lived under Avinu Shabashamayim. The lesson is that living a life feeling that connection on this earth is the important time. There's no waiting until later. There's no other time to consider our closeness with HaKadosh Baruch Hu other than in this current life. That's what's in our responsibility. That's what's in our ability to deal with. The Radomska continues. Rashi learns that Yaakov wanted or hoped to live Bishalva at peace. He had his family in place. He had sidestepped the difficulties with his brother Esau. Now was a good time to relax. Who wouldn't want to? He had just finished the terrible episode of Dina. Even though this was um, traumatic, and it would be to any parent, let alone to somebody with the holy sensitivities of a Yaakov, it didn't keep himself from still being labeled a Shalom because he was complete and whole. Hashem sent Yaakov the difficulties with Yosef and his brothers, the last thing any parent would expect or want. But these are the tests that we get and the ones that we have to learn to get through. Rav Chaim Kanievsky, in his time at the Crow, points out an interesting concept that Yosef is referred to here as a Ben Zakunim. And it mentions also that he received the Ketonis Pasim. Two things that may have caused additional jealousy amongst the brothers. What are these things and why are they important? So he learns that from these two expressions, the root cause of the start of the ill will the brothers had for Yosef was these two things, that there was something called a benzakunim relationship, and two was the overt gifting of this fancy garment. However, Rabchaim says that that's not what it means. 
Zakanim is an acronym. It stands for Zeroyim, Kodshim, Noshim, Yeshuais, and Moed. And he explains that the reason it's only five instead of six is that originally Taharos was part of Kedoshim, uh, of Kodshim. And what's Pasim? Poitifar, the Soicharim, the sellers, the Yishmoelim, the other people who bought in the Midyonim. And even though Soicharim were also Midyonim, in fact, it was two separate groups that were involved in this sale. And we know that really it's Poitifar where the real damage was done. Therefore, even though chronologically he was last, he was the main purpose of this whole uh, story to make these things happen. And therefore, he's given the first name. When Yaakov singled out one son to take a priority in his Torah learning, it's not necessarily going to cause ill will, but it might. I have more than one occasion heard people bemoan the support that Torah scholars have always received, usually implying that that they too learn, and what they learn is enough. They resent it until they need it, until they need somebody who is a chacham, somebody who is really a yodea to help them out. I know someone, sadly, who derided Rabonim on a regular basis under this criteria. And interestingly enough, the issues of Tznias were not of a particular issue to this person. And sadly, when that person needed the help of Talmud HaChomim of Rabonim for their own needs, they were angry that these same Rabonim who the person had mistreated or embarrassed didn't run to help them. No Medrash says the other brothers were excluded from the learning process, only that they resented his primacy. So if that's not bad enough, comes along the second issue the colored garment. A person can always say, well, you know, Ruvain was a better learner than me. Ruvain could achieve more of this. Until it's something that I want more or that I would also like, it doesn't have an effect on us. But Ketoinus Pasim, a beautiful garment, that's like giving two, one child two donuts and the other child one donut. Just worse. There is, however, a problem. And the problem that's connected to learning is as follows. And again, it goes back to a certain level of resentment. But it seems that we find people are usually, well, if the person lives in a meager house, if the base medrash looks a little run down, they can be soivalit, they don't, it doesn't bother them so much. But when they turn around and they see that somebody who lives such a lifestyle and also is gebenched to have a nice house to be successful, you know, outside of their own efforts, that gets to be a little bothersome. And the, uh, that's the issue of the Kasoinus Pasim that here he had to have a fancy garment 
What does he need to have a fancy garment for? Let him, uh, let him be devoted to his learning. Look the part. Once upon a time, it used to be the shuls were either cathedrals or they were humble. And yeshivas only more so. And for many, the beautification of yeshivas today, uh, some of them quite ornate and quite uh, attractive, it bothers them. They feel, why is he spending money on marble and uh, beautification? For Yosef to also have the gashmi of the Ksenos Pasim elicited that response of envy which yielded those results. Rabruving Karelenstein asks the following question. How did Chazal know that Yaakov wanted to live Bishalva with that relaxed feeling? Says Rabruvain, and I have to admit, I'm not he's not the only one, I've also had this thought, that the reason is he wanted to relive the days of the Yeshiva Shem Ver of sitting in the base medrash day and night with nothing to draw him away from his avoida, a nice, relaxed learning. And it was a comfort to me to see it in print until, you know, I got to the next line in his uh, response that, and by the way, FYI, I used to tell my sons and son-in-laws the same thing, that remember your days in the yeshiva and remember them longingly. And the best way to do that is to leave the koilul, to leave the yeshiva six months early. Six months before you really think, okay, endict, I finished. Because it leaves a person with a feeling of, I want to get back to it as opposed to, sadly, six months too late, and uh, sadly, we've seen that too. Says Rav Karelenstein, the more he thought about it, the more he was embarrassed to have thought such a thing. Do we think for a moment that Yaakov Avinu disconnected from his learning Torah because of difficulties that he experienced? Doesn't the Gemara in Brachas daf hey say that these are the Yisurim Shal Ahava, that a truly fulfilled person understands that his life will have these moments. And in fact, those are the difficult moments that he learns and grows through. And it even says, happy is the man who received these Yisurim and learned to during it. We say that an hour of learning in Sire is better than a hundred hours of learning at ease. If this is what Chazal uh, issued to us as a challenge, is there any question that Yaakov Avinu, one of the Ovos, would not have lived up to these expectations? In truth, the life of a human being is one of constant stress. If one is struggling financially, he assumes that wealth would cure all. In fact, studies of lottery winners have shown that sudden wealth is its own test. I once had a Gvira tell me, he says, you're lucky, you can have friends. He had become so used to people buddying up for the purpose of something other than friendship. The loneliness of wealth 
versus the difficulty of struggle. This is the battle and these are the choices that we confront every morning when we rise. Our job is to remember our purpose, to learn Torah, to do his will, to stand strong in the face of whatever form our struggle or test takes. Yaakov lived through dire poverty, fear of physical danger from a brother, spiritual danger from a shver, the pain of Dina, the passing of Rochel, one after the other. It's exactly such a situation where a reasonable person might request, could I try it the other way? And the Ksav Soifer brings a Gemara and Baruchas from the next Amud, Davhe Amud Beis, where Rabbi Lazar is sick and Rabbi Yochanan comes to visit. And Rabbi Yochanan sees the room is dark and he rolls up his sleeve to illuminate the room. If this is the, what the Talmud is doing, imagine what Rabbi Lazar is able to do. And Rabbi Yochanan sees that his Rebbe, Rabbi Lazar, is crying. So he says to him, are you crying because you didn't learn? No, he learned and with a proper intent. Are you crying because you didn't have enough to eat? If that's it, then you weren't an usher. It's not fitting necessarily that a person should be zoicha to have two great successes, both the success of Torah acquisition and knowledge and that of financial success. Isn't that a harsh thing to say to someone? To say to a Tana, Rabbi Lozer, you felt bad because you weren't a Gvir? That's a nice thing to say to one's Rebbe, to a great person? No. In fact, it's the question of Yaakov Avinu. It's the question of can a person complete his purpose on this earth without experiencing both sides of the coin? And to this Hashem responds, it's not enough for tzaddikim, the world that I prepare for them in the next realm, they want it here also? This can mean that it's not enough oilam habo based on one side of troubles. You want both rewards. It's not in our hands to determine which path will be our Nisoyen. In fact, I'm writing this from the luxury of being able to sit in Yerushalayim with Svarim and Chavrusas, and honestly, it's like a dream. But Rebruvain is right. I will be judged by how I, how did I spend my time when I'm home, when I'm busy doing the everyday activities that fill up a person's time. But when the opportunity presents itself to escape the everyday, choose wisely. Watching difficulty is its own problem. Mordechai Druk writes, imagine Yaakov revealing, uh, dealing with all that he has. His son Yosef disappears or is killed. And those who know people who have lost a child know it can be a very devastating, not can be, it is a devastating event. The brothers see the pain of their father and they separate, whether to avoid the pain they've caused or to keep from telling him the truth. 
but no one wants to accept that they are guilty. So you find a scapegoat, in this case, Yehuda. Would the tragedy of Yehuda's sons have taken place if they were living amongst their own family as opposed to being in isolation? So Yaakov loses a son and Yehuda loses two. There is only one cure. Tamra shows the collateral left behind by Yehuda. He has a choice to continue to be willing to live with lies or turn back towards his father's life of Ish Emes by admitting that the items were his he takes the first step he saves Tamar and with that he saved everything his son Peretz who would eventually bring forth Mashiach these seeds also will rebuild the trust in the family so that Yehuda can fulfill his role by being that role model. Rebel Yoshev quotes the Pasuk Perak Mem Pasuk Tesvav Ki Goinev Ganavte Meeres Ivriam quotes the Medrash Rabbah that because Yosef declared his Jewishness when he was asked, he merited being buried in Eretz Yisrael. The Gemara Yerushalmi Taina says that the success of our offering korbonos stems from the verse, Lemor Lutziyain Imi Otto. Reb Chanina on the spot, Reb Chanina Bar Papa on the spot says, I looked through all the verses and didn't find such a verse. Every land has been designed by HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be a physical match for the people who live there. The constitution of various peoples are matched to their environment. Uh, if one is busy with diet and dieting and the concept that, oh, everybody should try XYZ diet, I think the current fad is the Mediterranean diet, the Mediterranean diet works for people in, Mediter in the Mediterranean area because that is their shidduch, that is their match. The food and everything else in that neighborhood matches the body that Akarosh Baruch Hu gave them, and therefore they're a pair. There is a tribe of um, Indians that live in northern Canada called the Intuit, and uh, they're Inuit, and the Inuits um, eat the most unhealthy diet you can imagine, and yet they have lower cholesterol than many, many, uh, in fact, most developed countries. It's because HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave them food that would match the body he gave them. The constitution that we match for us is Eretz Yisrael. It was chosen by HaKadosh Baruch Hu as having the necessary ingredients to promote sanctity. It's his land and it's his home. And it's the center of the world's spirituality so that the effects of a good behavior will radiate outward and Chas not so will 
do that as well. Cultures were not designed to blend since the mix would not produce the same results. One need only look at Europe and see how different people from these countries behave to see the accuracy. A Frenchman living in England, even though it's 26 miles away or 13 miles away, still identifies as a Frenchman. The above quoted verse that couldn't be found wasn't a verse, it was a divine statement. A Jew who behaves as he should, wherever he is, he can say, I am with you in Sion. I am with Hashem. May Eretz Mitzrayim, I am with him there. Not only did he proclaim his origins, but named his children in a manner that reinforced his connection to Eretz Yisrael. Hashem's name was constantly on his lips, as the Medrash relates, davening over whatever tasks he was asked to perform. His constant connection to tefillah and reviewing the halochas taught to him by his father made it as if he had never left Eretz Yisrael. And so I hope on this first Shabbos, upon my returning home after my brief trip, will allow me to still feel that connection to, so that Lemur Tzion imi ata that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will keep it kindled for me. And with that, I wish you all a good Shabbos and a good bench to your.